they don't have a Joe Rogan podcast. Right, right. Where it can just go wherever. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, we could, but that would be a whole separate podcast than what we're doing right now. Right. And we wouldn't have to work. Well, no, because no, we would have a Joe Rogan podcast that nobody listened to. Oh, right. Okay, so without the money? <laughs> yes. Not interested. Yeah, me neither. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. Wow. Thanks for that. Nice. I'm That is so odd that you played that. Why? Because I had to go to a memorial service last week. I had to go back home, and I went to it, and they had a band playing because there was a lot of <clears throat> like musicians involved with right. the family. And um, they had several. It was like a revolving door. Everyone was coming up to play and everything. And um, my buddy's dad is a phenomenal musician. Like just a pro, like mm -hmm. you know, was a, like working. One of the mission. first people to well, don't That's, tell me he introduced you to the Almond Brothers. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, technically my stepdad introduced me to the Almond Brothers. Okay. He the, these are the people I learned to play music from. Right. And um, and being a uh, you know sparky punk rock kid, you realize mm -hmm. like oh well, the Almond Brothers and Blind Faith and old Led Zeppelin and all that. Like that's you got to pay attention to that too because. Yeah. If you only learn to play from Black Flag albums, like chances are you're not going to be a good musician. <laughs> and then, um, but they were—they uh, played a couple songs. I was like, oh, and then they went into a Beatles song, and and I was with my buddy, the guy who also taught me. I was like the first real band I was ever in that like went on tour and everything, and had like recordings and tuned <laughs> things like that. Is uh. I asked him, I was like, where are you on the uh, Beatles? He was like, why don't you just listen to the Rolling Stones? I was like, good answer. Wow. <laughs> wow. And amazing. after the Beatles song, they went into, uh, that was Jerry Rafferty with Baker Street. Right. Uh, not Baker Street, but the, uh, his other kind of hit or whatever was uh, Down the Line. Yeah. And they played Down the Line. I looked at him. I'm like, what about this? He goes, this is a great song. And we had this talk, and it's funny because we talked about this on a couple episodes ago. Mom. There's not a lot of instances where I want to hear saxophone in a song. <laughs> Generally not a fan. I, I think there's I, two. Y yeah. 
Yeah, yakety sacks and exactly. <laughs> and so I was talking to my buddy about this, and we got on that conversation. I was like, I don't know. It's like men at work kind of pulled it off a little bit. Uh, business as usual is like pretty solid album, and the songs that aren't hits are actually better. They're yes. like well, that that that's one of those albums. Like you go back, there's certain '80s albums, um, like the Outfield is one example. Uh-huh. Like, whole album is super solid yeah but their hits were awesome also yes yeah ub40 yeah. was one of those bands where the hits will make you think they're the worst band you ever heard you go outside the, the hits. rest of it is really good yeah. reggae yeah exactly and um so we talked about what you know when is us when do you want to hear a saxophone and song we're like i don't know like baker street is kind of in there and then i never realized until you're playing this because that is a phenomenal song like in you and i we, mm-hmm. we played that that came up while we were working like fuck 10 years ago yeah we just went on this Jerry Rafferty. I was telling my my buddy, I was like, we went on like a Jerry Rafferty kick at work one time and just listened to him. You know, the dude is like, goes deep with yeah. some hits. We, I think we even went back yeah, to the cool. Steelers wheel. <laughs> yes. Era. And, yeah, dude, good, <laughs> deep pull, deep pull. And what, what I had didn't fail to realize until just now, that song also has a flute in the beginning, ah. which is also an atrocious instrument. Yes. It's like, when, when do I want to hear a flute in a song? I can't think of a... I mean, there's Zamfir with a pan flute. I guess that's uh, marginally connected, but... Yeah, well, there's the... Uh, the song was made better. What is the uh, Aqualung band? Uh, Jethro, Jethro Tull. And uh, the... That dude kind of rocked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aqualung's great song. You know what made that song even better was uh, Will Ferrell doing the flute solo in the Ron Burgundy Movie was that movie called? Is it called Ron Burgundy? Anchorman. Anchorman. Yes. Anchorman. I can't remember. remember. I, 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 and he was he was playing it in the in the jazz club, and he uh, was up on the table, and even he, he like dunked it in someone's in some lady's drink, and was like <laughs> <laughs> drinking her drink through the flute. <laughs> that's a that's a move right there. That'll uh, that'll so, win you some points. So I got one for you. Is uh, to continue um, what's becoming a regular segment of. Bumper stickers out in the wild. I took a photo today of a car. Oh, did you? Oh, you go first, because okay. there is a chance it was the same car, and I'll actually get it right this time. Okay. <laughs> this one is not, no, this one's not a quiz, because okay. this one I'm just throwing out there, because I was thoroughly confused. Okay. So this was a souped-up Dodge Charger. All right. With a spoiler and, uh, you know, with a muffler, what it sounds like it has, the engine has indigestion, or I don't know what people do, but... On the back of the spoiler, so this was the custom-made sticker that was to, to fit on the back of the spoiler. Okay. It said, your neck okay, with a question mark. Your neck okay. Your neck okay? Does that make sense? Was he a chiropractor? Dude, I wrote that down. I'm all, it, unless that guy's a chiropractor, this makes no sense. Because we always talk about the importance of inflection when you say things. Because I read it as... Your neck, okay? It's like, I make, I... <laughs> like, comma, okay? Right. But there was no comma. Mm-hmm. And then, as I thought about this today, I'm like, are they saying your neck okay? Either way, like, I can't make... I'd say either a chiropractor or a jujitsu practitioner. Okay. <laughs> and it's, like, their gym, like, their thing to say, like, your neck okay? And so, judging by the car, which was, like, a custom paint Answer's charger, no, by the way, if that's... <laughs> Asking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Judging by the car and the custom paint job and the muffler and the spoiler. Like, yeah, you don't see a lot of chiropractors rocking the right, so, car. Yeah. and I mean, Dr. Matt, uh, notwithstanding. The whole, you know, as a fan of people watching, as, you know, someone blessed that 
60% of the population that's blessed with an internal monologue and just was like staring and just couldn't let it go. It's like, cause he's exuding all of the qualities of, Hey, everyone look at me. I'm a mm -hmm. badass. It's kind of, I got this whole fast and furious vibe going on right now. You know, custom stickers, custom paint job. Oh no, 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 no. It's about, uh, accelerating rapidly and causing whiplash. But wouldn't I be in his car? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. <laughs> so why is that? Because that message is from the guy you, behind him. He's telling you what he's saying to the person sitting next to him every time he takes off from a red light. What a douchebag. Yes. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure I would have been able to make that call without the sticker on the spoiler. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I heard the muffler alone, like, I already don't like this guy. And you can't see him because, of course, the windows are crazy tinted, but... Yeah. I like this one. Okay. I saw it today. What do you got? Uh, it's a Toyota Highlander. Mm hmm And it has a, uh, and the license plate number is uh, 6, and, oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, has a Biden-Harris 2020 sticker. Mm hmm Okay. I support farm workers. Okay. Right? So, also a. Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> the CCP, um, a, uh, you know, if, if you support farm workers, you're going to lean a little bit commie in mm -hmm. my book. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you voted for Biden Harris cause they were more commie than Trump. Right. And then also a sticker that says end corporate personhood. All right. And I just found the... It's the kind of person that you would start to tell, explain to them why their bumper stickers were like didn't make sense, incongruent with each other. Yeah, and then right. you just you know what? Never mind. Yeah. I just I'm this is definitely not worth me going into. Yeah, they had a couple other bumper stickers on there too that you I end couldn't up in the decipher, old but... proverbial conversational whack-a-mole. Exactly. This and then this and this. That's not what we're talking about though. Uh, speaking of Biden Harris, did you watch this video that I sent you? Uh, no. I think you responded like you had. So oh, yeah. They have. Yes. Um, I yes, this fucking was, love this. This was good. This was good. <laughs> this is uh, Sky News, which is... Is Australian? This is the Australian. Right. Uh, Sky News Australia, uh, which is, you know, like fairly right wing. Mm -hmm. Okay. For, for mainstream right. news. This is them making fun of our vice president. Story is Kamala Harris the worst communicator you have ever heard? Absolutely. Feast your eyes <laughs> on this latest word salad from the Vice President of the United States of America. She's great. It's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders. The sign language. For us at every wish you people listening could see her hands. Certainly this one. To see the moment <laughs> in time in which we exist and are present. And to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. What is this woman smoking? <laughs> I, it's just, it doesn't end and you also, I just pick up something new every time. And yeah. I'm looking at the woman behind her with a Harris-Biden sticker, just emphatically nodding, like, yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, totally. Yep. yep. Nailed it. Yep. Um, did you see the, uh, did you see the reel that I put on Instagram? No. Of Stephen Colbert interviewing no. President Obama? Uh-uh. Former president? 
I don't know how new this is, uh-huh. um, but <clears throat> this is amazing, I think. This is fun because I've been completely checked out from what's going on yeah. for two weeks now. Well, you could tell me this actually came out two years ago, which would oh, prove that yeah. I've been checked out as well, but who cares? Uh, we missed you. Thank you. These last four years. Did you miss you? Did you ever look at something going on in the news and go, you know what the situation needs? Go Barack Obama. <laughs> I think you said it uh, one of our previous podcasts. Like, could that guy's get the corporate media cock yes. further down his throat? Oh, yeah. God. It's just disgusting. Yeah, I've I, I said this before. I, 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 uh, people would ask me, knowing what you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec- a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had, a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> I don't think you were supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> uh, president. I mean, maybe it's one of those tricks they do, like the limited hangout or... Stephen like, Colbert is insufferable. And I've actually yes. was thinking about this. I actually tried to find it this morning, and I couldn't find the exact line, and I kind of bailed on the whole thing. But the... Are you a fan of comedy at all? Comedy? Comedy. Uh, it's a, you know, it's, I take it or leave it. <laughs> yes. And when I got, I remember when comedy started blowing up again, uh, what is this, early 2000s, and I saw David Crockett. You mean like humor? Humor. Humor yeah, came sense, back in. Sense, yeah. Humor and sense of <laughs> therein. And People started laughing again. Yes. Is, uh, I, saw, I came across a David Cross special a long time ago. Uh-huh. Like, just 2000, maybe 2001. And, um. I was like, this is hilarious. It was really funny. And then I got into Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. And then I remember this Mitch era. Hedberg. Yeah. yeah. And it was just all of a sudden, there was just all this kind of alt comedy thing going on, Zach Galifianakis. And it was really good. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. And then I remember it slowly like getting less and less funny, more self censorship, more self policing, calling out other, like, no, you can't joke about that. That phrase, you can't. Uh, you, you can't- Punch down, you have to punch up. Exactly. Came out right. the first time. Yeah. And then uh, I remember checking in, I don't know, years later. I mean, this must have been close to a decade ago. But David Cross had a new special out. I was like, I'm going to check that out. Put it on. And there were like... Is it the one where he started out with totally insulting Santa Rosa? Uh, I can't remember. I have seen that one. <laughs> they, but he... Uh, there, were, there were... I think it was, actually. But there were no jokes. Mm-hmm. There were no jokes. It was just like him like angrily ranting. And I checked out Patton Oswalt. I was like, I don't, I, I get it. You don't like Trump. But I, do I need to see an hour of this? Of like just going on and on and but without really any jokes. And of course, yeah. everyone's maniacally clapping because it's, it's, it, it was, it was like a, it was like an, it was like a pep rally more exactly. than, more than a comedy show. And I recently came across a clip that, uh, 
Patton Oswalt was on Al Franken's podcast. Who Al Franken got Me Too'd and yeah, got removed from the Senate and the whole deal. And then now he has a podcast. And Al Franken was someone that when he's on Saturday Night Live, I thought was really funny. Totally, like, it was hilarious, right? And they were talking about comedy and intellectualizing comedy, which I'm not a fan of. Like, <laughs> just comedy is comedy. Right. Either funny or you're not. We don't need to sit and dissect it. But two comedians, I understand. And but they went on this like riff. I, I wish I would have saved it, but I couldn't find the exact clip I was looking for. But Pat Oswalt was talking about that because they were talking about the notion of like, can you joke about certain things? Which we joke about stuff here all the time, and I get feedback like that was kind of like edgy. I was like, well, yeah, it was a joke though. I'm I'm kidding. I have no hate in my heart towards whatever you know. Yeah. What I mean? Someone because they're a Democrat or a Republican or, or a woman or, or a woman, whatever. Like they're, they're <laughs> jokes. It's like. That's you joke about taboo shit to take the stigma off it, like, mm-hmm. right? That's how you just get rid of the fucking boogeyman in the world, right? Yeah, and hundred percent. Yeah, and so Patton Oswalt was saying, he's like, well, it's different though, because if you are at all aligned or connected to the alt right, it's like you're not, you can't joke, you can't joke about these things because you're serious. There's hate in your heart, and what you are saying these things for is you're trying to get a message across. He's like, we're just joking about it. So like us on the left, we're just making jokes. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, how broken is your brain? This was after a 45 back and forth about Trump, for example. So they were all yeah. fired up. Yeah. And, right. and uh, they were just going down. They were in that psychotic negative feedback loop of, you know what I mean? Not having like the conservative uncle like, hey, uh, that's not true. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just want lower taxes. You know, I'm not calling for the South to rise again or anything or whatever it is that you guys are. Or the North. Yeah. If you're Canadian. If you're Canadian, a trucker protest with a Confederate flag for some reason that's brand new that we can still see the creases in and you look just (laughs) like a Fed. But we don't need to talk about that right now. But I could not. I was astounded when I heard that. Yeah. That is. What a demented way to look at the world. Yeah. It's like only you're allowed to joke about this, but someone else is not because you have decided that, like, they have nefarious intentions of you know connected to the joke that they're making. That's like a that's a, a way of thinking that my four year old yeah. would have. Yeah. Right? That it's you just you can't see how ridiculous you're being. You know, yeah. like he'll say things that are just completely off the mark and make right. no sense and you just kinda humor him because you don't want to correct him on every little thing. Yeah. It's like not arguing right. with the person with the bumper sticker. Like I just I'm yeah. not gonna not no. gonna go there. But you're you're adults who are on the internet, actually making this argument that your way of thinking is okay and is right, but right. anyone else's that you don't agree with is not okay, right? And i.e., should be censored. Yeah, which is about the time. I thought about that. that because in the last episode, we <laughs> you called our lawyer and just ripped on a joke about someone having two anuses and how they'd have you know a higher methane output, thus contributing to a, a larger carbon footprint. Is it anuses or ani? It might be ani. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Thanks for. Uh, maybe we should call our. Uh, we should we call a lawyer? Lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> He's off. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Is it anuses or ani? Oh my God! Leave me alone. Guys. <laughs> Is I heard someone make a comment like, "Oh, that's gonna ruffle some feathers." Is like, are you serious? Double anus flat tax theory? Like, <laughs> why would someone take that serious? Like, are you, like someone's going to go like, oh, that's that's really hateful. Like, how could, how on earth could you take that seriously? Uh, distasteful? 
Yes. yes. 100%. <laughs> okay. Hateful? No, I don't see that. Yes. I mean, I actually, when I was writing the description of the podcast, I was really kind of dancing around. Like, I did not want to put the word anus in the, <laughs> in the description for whatever reason. I don't know why. But, uh, yeah, I could see. Yeah. A little, a little, a little blue, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> So I've been uh, thinking about something, and you and I had a discussion, mm-hmm. and um, it was a weird kind of journey of how I got there, but how it started out is um, the notion of going to college and being educated, hmm. I'm using my finger quotes there, Okay, is I was thinking a lot about this week, because I had that long drive, just thoughts, 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 which is good. Yeah, it is. You're actually making me jealous. I like, <laughs> need to take a long drive. Yes. Um, we were sold, you know, us being the same generation, we were sold literally on the notion that you had to go to college. Mm-hmm. Right? That was drilled into my head oh, as a yeah. kid. Yeah. yeah. You're <laughs> only now starting to see people question whether that's even worthwhile. Right. Or not. Yeah. But I just saw a commercial on TV yesterday. I can't remember what I was watching, but it was mm. you know how the ad council, yeah, does commercials, right? Which I don't. What, what is that? It's a something federal government has an ad council. That's where it comes from, right? Yeah. So they basically just it's propaganda. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they're impartial <laughs> with their narratives. <laughs> they uh, they it was this idea. It of absolutely the, is, and you are laying the groundwork for what I was thinking about. Okay, good. Yeah. The commercial was about the paper ceiling. Do you know what that is? No, this is new to me. It's this idea that if you don't have a bachelor's degree, then you can't get ahead in a job and ah more money, dude. Okay, I'm and I was so just, glad you brought that. I up. was just watching it and I'm like, wow, like how what how can the government be allowed to just subsidize the loans? Yes, to go to such <laughs> university. Yes, they're right. propagandizing kids or to take out loans to the, right. They're going to not pay back for, <laughs> how yeah. old are you? You know, how long has it been since you went to college? Like 20 years. Yeah, or longer. Yeah. Um, it just seems like such, just, nah, it's just bullshit to, that you, you're sitting there on the TV and being forced to watch this stuff. But yeah, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to no, no, uh, no, go that, off on that. that. But I, I Perfectly dovetails in what I'm talking about. You, right you and I were, it was told, yeah, you are going to college. I don't care yeah, what you studied, but you are going to college. Drilled that. People tell me that yeah. Junior is going to college, and I'm like, it, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he's, he doesn't have to. I Someone asked me that because we have a savings account set, set aside for my kid. And he, they're like, oh, is that his college fund? I'm like, fuck no. My kid's <laughs> going to learn how to weld, do something <laughs> useful. <laughs> not, okay, so not to. He's going to be a podcaster. <laughs> Make that, that sweet Patreon cheddar. <laughs> so. Which uh, you can go to, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Excellent segue, Matt. Yes. Uh, you guys want to support the show, please go to Patreon. Sign up to part of the Liberty Social Club. Yes, at least once every six months. we got to remember to hit that. So Indeed. Well done. Well every done. Day, we did it. And even when you get into college, which you and I both went to college, mm-hmm. it's also that narrative is reinforced. I remember that my you know, professors or whatever explained like, I know, like, you guys took out these loans, and, you know, and I had some great professors that are saying, like, if you can avoid taking out the loans, I'd really, like, don't start off your life with all this debt, but for those that you can't, and he's like, well, you will see, you know, them laying out, like, financial data of, like, you know, if you got a bachelor's degree, like, here's your average income, and, and on and on. 
Dude, my sorry. My yeah. mom said one time to me. Actually, she said this on multiple occasions that she couldn't be with my stepdad if he didn't have a college degree. Really? Yeah. That is odd thinking. Not that we use your mom for a barometer for normative societal behavior, but <laughs> we do use her for <laughs> other things, though. Uh, that is that kind of yes. tr- that that yeah. tribal thinking, right? That you ha- have to be educated. If you're not, then you're a lower. I think that's kind of a big problem that she had with my dad and his brothers. Right. Is that they didn't have college degrees. You and I are simpatico this week because these are things I've been thinking about. And then it really got me down some rabbit holes. Cool. But point being is that you know, once we are in those institutions, the narrative is, again, reinforced of like, it's so good you guys are here. And because what they're doing is they are trying to propagate a message like, if you want to, you are on the journey right now. You have started the process of working your way into some kind of intellectual elite strata relative to the rest of the population. Now, us as adults know, and as people who went to college and knowing many people who didn't go to college, know that's fucking nonsense. It's just complete horseshit. Well, it's... To put it bluntly, what they're they're insinuating is if you want to be smart, you have to go to college, right? uh, Well, I think they're putting it... It's not even... uh, they're literally saying, if you want to be a part of the elite strata, you have to go to college. Right. Which is true. Which, yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. If you want to be a part of that, tr- that but it has group. No, it has nothing to do with knowledge no, or you, intelligence. You learn just, after you get your degree and you go and start working construction that there are plenty of guys who don't have college degrees who have a ton of money. That is my point. And are not part of that elite strata. Yeah, and I want to make the and point. And the people who are, even if they have a bullshit job that doesn't pay them very well and they just yeah. don't really get, they don't have a satisfying job. Right. Or really like themselves probably, <laughs> will look down their noses on that guy. Which I have had happen to me. Who is uneducated. Yes. And... This is not air quotes uneducated, <laughs> but this is by no means to go on any kind of like anti-education angle. It's like mm-hmm. I can see a lot of reasons. You know, a mathematician. If you want to become a historian, you want to like get that nursing degree, or an engineer, or an engineer. You do have to learn, that right? Shit. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you need to be able to prove that. Like, I know how to that. May I know how to come up with a way for this building to stand up, mm-hmm. for example. But then, to simply buy into that as a narrative to wave your hand and tell people like I have a college degree and expect them to be impressed because that, that also insinuates that you're also have some level of intelligence. I have found to be complete bullshit in life because some of the most brilliant people that I know, when I think of the smartest people that I know right now, mm-hmm. um, I just thought my top three, two of them didn't go to college. I must be the third then on that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Interesting. Course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I thought of an example because I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, well, for example, I was thinking of my stepdad. My stepdad, who I'm pretty sure he finished high school, and then he hitchhiked around the country dodging the draft, finally was scooped up, sent to Nam, came back. He's the most brilliant guy that I know, like just insane intelligence. And uh, he's the textbook definition of like an autodidact, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just like I just, he, he can figure anything out. Like, he figured out, um, he remodeled our house, right? And so we need cabinets. Figured out how to be a cabinet maker. I mean, just fine woodworking. Uh, I want a wrought iron gate. He figured out how to be a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's 
brilliant to such a level that I'm sure we know people like this. They just can't, they have, they're almost like have a hard time relating. Their brain is spinning yeah. at such a high RPM that you pluck them out of their mind and put them in some kind of social situation. And it's just like they almost kind of can't hang. They yeah. don't understand what's going on. Like Uncle Jim is the classic. Your Uncle Jim. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He just kind of sits there with that scowl on his face in that chair. He's like, yeah. why are they talking about that? What a fucking waste <laughs> of time. I remember, I remember uh, coming home as a kid. And and my stepdad would go like, "How's school? Is it good?" And I I was very fortunate. I was really really close with him. I was closer with him than all the other kids. It's just and because I was always interested in doing stuff, and he was always doing stuff. He got into woodworking, and he built me a guitar, and he you know got into blacksmithing, and he built a, a sword. Then well, I got a sword. I built a suit of armor. Like just goes off the freaking rails. My mom tells this great story. She goes. <clears throat> He's one of those guys that just never stops doing things. And it's just like, it's kind of hard. He goes out in a shop. I don't know what he does. And he comes back with like something for the house or, and he's talking. I don't understand what he's talking about because he's just so deep in his head. And my mom tells this story. She goes, one time I had to go to work and he had the day off. And uh, he's doing that thing <laughs> that, that I do all the time because like, I want to read about the World Economic Forum and <laughs> research stuff for the podcast. And my wife's like, I got to, oh, do you have any pet peeves? Do I have any pet peeves? Yes, I know you have several. Uh, one of my biggest ones is people saying they have pet peeves. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid phrase. <laughs> it is It is stupid. I have this irrational one that if I'm in the house and someone tells me, which would be my family, they're like, all right, I'm going to take off. I'm like, all right, see you. Love you. See you after work. And in my mind, I make the shift to, okay, like, I got to start working on stuff. And that person doesn't leave immediately. They, like, shuffle back around, go out to the car, come back in. And it's, like, 10 minutes later, like, all right, I got to take off. I'm, like, I just, I get, just like, super upset, which is irrational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm nervous to tell you what mine are because it's basically just going to be, like, a list of everything I do all day long. <laughs> I, I'm always peeved, I guess. <laughs> it's it's going to make me sound like a terrible person. So. so No, I don't have any peppies. So my stepdad was uh, doing that with my mom, and he's kind of got his you know, thumbs in his pockets, like, okay, well, about ready to leave for work. And my mom goes, like, why is he rushing me out of the house? And um, she got in her car, drove around the block, and comes back in the house. And Your mom that- is insane. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I love it. And in that time, She's so funny. She she goes, I walk into the kitchen <laughs> and he had hid a frozen bobcat in the freezer. And he was, t- <laughs> <laughs> he was taxidermy. Of course. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So here's my, okay. my Uncle Jim uh, in effort to, like, so you know him. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Really? How much do you think he's he's a lot like my stepdad? I yeah, would, yeah. Same You've always of. said that. Yeah, they're very similar. Um, how much do you think he knows about like the gossip and stuff that's going on? You're right in the media. Yeah, right? I don't think it, they don't even know. Like they don't understand why someone would retain that information. Right. Well, yeah. so in an effort, so when my cousin started to become famous, mm-hmm. in an effort to connect with his daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. My cousin's wife. Yeah, he started going on TMZ. Oh God! And just started like <laughs> like learned everything about all of the gossip that was out there about his son, who's right. becoming famous. And there was so much. Yeah, you know. 
And so we'd go over there, and, and he would just he would bring stuff up, like, "Did you know about this, that, and the other?" And just, he became a expert on wow, <laughs> like tabloid gossip. That's awesome. I know. Like you, like what? Why? Are, okay, never mind. Just <laughs> you, you just keep doing what you do. That's why we love you. <laughs> I remember, and I'm sure you've had this experience with your uncle Jim. Is that I remember realizing at like a very young age that number one, like. I loved my stepdad, like, the, as soon as he came into our family. I was like, uh, he was so good with us. Like, nice. Such a good guy. Awesome. And um, he, um, I remember realizing, though, that he didn't really relate to what I, what I always call the static. Like, what, okay. just the ether. Yeah. Like, what's out there. Sure. People yammering on about this and that. And he would just kind of, we'd go to, like, I remember being, I remember as a young kid, like, very early memory, like, and I always had, like, a strong connection with him because I was always kind of a hands-on guy. He helped us build skate ramps and all kinds of stuff. And then we'd be going to, uh, my parents played soccer, so we had these huge soccer parties and these giant dinner parties where the, after the tournament, you know, everyone sit down and this conversation would be going on about just this, that, like, just these nothing conversations. And I remember I would look over at him and he'd just be kind of, like, staring off to, into the distance. And I was like, I wonder what he's thinking about. And then it be, I became so habitual that I would notice it every time we were in like a large social event, for example. Mm-hmm. He's a kind of a quiet guy and he'd just be sitting there and then then he would like lean into me and go like, what if we put a research pump um, in the garage, took the water out of the water heater, we could run into a coil design for a, like an ABS structure, put that, um, run that through an inverter that did another research pump, then I think we'd have the available PSI to basically have free hot water, you know, for the whole house. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's brain is just like, it's like flying. Yeah. And then everyone else is talking about like that celebrity gossip or totally. whatever, for example. Yeah, he and Jim were cut from the same cloth. Yeah. So I bring this up because you talked about some stuff yesterday that kind of got my brain spinning and I kind of, started putting it together and thinking about it. And I bring this up is that I went to college, you went to college. I went to college for anthropology and geology. And my focus in anthropology was a large part from, you know, a discipline that everything stemmed from Charles Darwin's origin of species, mm. right? Evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. And which was written in 1859, I think. Something like Sounds that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mid to mid to late eighteen hundreds. And at that time I could go on and on, because this is what I was taught in school about Charles Darwin going to the Galapagos Islands and observing uh, the finches. Finches, yeah. And how they, what, what they have different characteristics of their beaks. Yeah, depending on the island. Do, uh, doing on the island and how thick the nut was, which and you know, on and on. And at that time I was uh For the male birds. Once yeah, once I went graduated and was promptly put back on a construction site and I worked with a bunch of Jehovah witnesses and I'd sit there and I was that insufferable guy just like oh I know that you know I went to college I know what I'm talking about and we go on and on and on you know, quoting everything you know my bible was the origin of species at that time because science I was following the science um that's irony there so Darwin I was taught this in school became increasingly like more and more quiet throughout his years right and the reason why, at least from when, when you I say was, quiet, you mean uh, less withdrawn, public? less public, still doing the research, still publishing okay. writings, 
But um, so well, he was still publishing. Was the publishing not? He was still publishing. Was he being silenced, or was he being silent? He was being silent. Okay. He, he was already a quiet guy, and he became more and more withdrawn. It's not that he it, what he was saying was less and less popular. He just no. But what withdrawn. it was is he, were at least what I was taught in school is that he was kind of walking a tightrope because as he basically was beginning to put together the fundamental underpinnings of what would become the basis for evolutionary biology conflicted with what was in the Bible. He was also a deeply religious man. Mm-hmm. And they were saying like, this is why he was so quiet, right? Enter a guy named Thomas Huxley, mm-hmm. who was known as Darwin's bulldog. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he died in 1890, something like that. He took Charles Darwin's work and just took off on it, right? And he became, you know, the mouthpiece for Darwin, hence the name. Now, this is what I was taught in school, and that's where it ended, or that's where it began, I should say. And then Darwin did his work. We had this guy, Thomas Huxley, that, you know, was basically his hype man, and, you know, then... That's, that's what it was, and everything stems from there, right? And then we slowly have learned more and more about evolutionary biology, but it begins with this as a source. And this, I bring this up because this is the difference between an autodidact like your Uncle Jim or my stepdad, right, who goes out and does work. Because I, I would come home from school, and my stepdad would be like, how, how was, uh, he taught me, he's like, don't, just because your teacher says it doesn't mean it's true. Like, some of your teachers are not smart. Like, you have to do your own work. You have to be like, this is, you know, I'm 10 years old <laughs> hearing this. And I come home, he's like, how was school? I was like, good. We're learning about Cuba. Like, huh. Your teacher mentioned uh, Operation Northwoods? Like, no. He's like, you should ask him about that and see what he says. <laughs> I, nice. like, I remember, like, hearing this. And, like, now look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did his work. <laughs> yeah. So the... Um, what I wasn't taught, and this is what I want to talk about, like, you know, people pat themselves on the back for having a college degree or whatever, and this, and this is all going to basically lay the groundwork for the stuff that you and I were talking about, is that I was not taught that Thomas Huxley, Darwin's bulldog, who took Charles Darwin's work, who I was told that, well, no, he just had some kind of conflicting resolutions going on in his head that this, you know, di- w- wasn't congruent with what was in his Bible as a religious man. And then I do a bunch of fucking work on that, you know, a bunch of reading on this. Thomas Huxley was a, an outspoken, like, wild, wild racist and a depopulationist, a eugenicist. And we hear the word, you know, New World Order. Like, what's that, some Alex Jones shit? Like, no, that's Thomas Huxley shit. Okay, so he was a progressive. <laughs> yes, right. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. So all that stuff came from Thomas Huxley. And all this stuff, like, it was centered around, you know, the more you look into this, the, the British royal family. So Cecil B. Rhodes, you know, we have the Rhodes, you know, if you're a Rhodes mm. scholar, that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah, we kind of talked about this stuff before. Um, uh, the Rothschilds. And then, the other, and then it was going on in places like America. The Bilderberg Group? The Bilderberg Group. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down there, Dad. No one's worried about the Bilderberg Group anymore. <laughs> well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world, known as the Pentaverite, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. 
So who's in this pentameron? The Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tetsa. Oh, I hated the Colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh! Dad, how can you hate the Colonel? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly smart arse. Interesting. Cuckoo. We actually should look into that. <laughs> we should do like huge deep dives on things that are completely like irrelevant. <laughs> so when you look at um, the Rockefellers were doing the, like it was to be eugenicist back then, <laughs> late 1800s, early 1900s was not like, there was no stigma to it. That was like kind of a commonly held thing. And what do we talk about when we talk about like the difference between a eugenicist and a depopulationist is, you know, obviously there's a significant overlap, but a depopulationist is like, there's just too many people on the planet. We need to get rid of them. A eugenicist says, I agree, but I also have the people picked out that yeah. need to be taken <laughs> off you one better. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm sure, so these people like the, you know, the, the, the Rothschilds, the Thomas Huxleys, the Cecil Rhodes, um, the Rockefellers, um, they consider themselves the elite, therefore worthy of running the world. And the lesser people, the populations in the lower end need to be controlled because they can't do it themselves. Like, we didn't make that decision. Does this sound at all familiar here in 2023, by the way? Yeah. If only, and honestly, this is probably controversial, I don't really disagree that that, um, if the people that were in charge, you know, were, were actually like elite, good, honest yeah. people, then yeah, maybe you got a point, but that's not the world we've been living in for the last 200 years. That has been a, a, a very dark joke that we have kind of punted back and forth on, like, cause you, then you see stuff on, you know, like a giant brawl in a McDonald's and you're like. I don't know. Maybe we do. Right. Have <laughs> I am glad they all got vaccinated. <clears throat> and so all these people, uh, the, the Cecil Rhodes, all these people I was talking about earlier, like they basically have a primary ethos. And it's like, there's too many people on our planet sitting on our resources and they're having way too many children. And, and we, too much fun. And, yeah. And we, <laughs> and we need to do something about that. And when you look into... Uh, Thomas Huxley's, and um, also his grandson, Julian Huxley, which was the brother of Aldous Huxley. We were mm -hmm. talking about Brave New World, mm -hmm. um, which is some amazing predictive programming, <laughs> something that we also talked about, is the writings are some of the, I'm not even going to quote them here, there's some like straight up her, like horrific racism, like racial hierarchy stuff, like we need to purify the planet, and um, there's, you know, the, the lays out the racial hierarchy, lesser primates, you know what I mean? This makes this uh, spectrum of humanity, like they're on the lower end, we need to sterilize them, get rid of them. Like us on the elites, like, you know, we need to be controlled of everything, so, hence the new world government stuff. This is the stuff that I read, I'm like, this, this is what people should be paying attention to. Not shit like the Chicago Teachers Union coming out and saying like, you wanting your kid to be back in school you know, your kid's school to be open again is rooted in white supremacy. I'm like, right. you, 
don't dilute that term. It fucking means something. Mm-hmm. And it, when you look at stuff like this, like this, this shit is still going on, and we need to be fucking looking at it. And you guys are undermining. I know you think you're doing some something like socially just and righteous. You're undermining the thing that you think you believe in. That makes sense. Absolutely right. It's uh, I, I'm actually curious about those ideas because I want to know. You know, every bad idea we talk about sunlight being the best disinfectant, right? right. And every right. bad idea, it you should study it and actually take it uh, on its merits. Right. Say, okay, if it's a bad idea, why is it a bad idea? Yeah, talk about it. And be able to, you know, explain why it's ridiculous. If you can't do that, then how do you actually know mm-hmm. it's a bad idea? Right? You can't just... And I think that people... That's kind of the mode we're in now. People just say, well, um, you know, wanting your kid to be back in school is white supremacy. Well, how do you know? Well, I just know. I, have you thought about it? I mean, that sounds pretty ridiculous. Right. No. We just, we just know that it is. Yeah. Instead of actually looking at it, discussing it, talking about it, if you do that, right. you'll realize that no, a kid being in school is, has nothing to do with white supremacy. Yeah. It's about... I'm talking about everyone's kids, not just my kid. Right. Yeah. Very easy to do. You know what's interesting? This is something that I, uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, last night, is that what I also wasn't taught in school is, you know, you learn about World War II, Hitler, the Nazis, and the, you know, horrific ha- campaign of sterilization and eugenics that Hitler had. He's like, I'm going to rid the earth of the undesirables. These people, I don't think they should be on the planet. Mm-hmm. We're just going to get rid of them. Is we were taught in school that somehow magically Hitler and the Nazis and, and Goebbels, they just come up with this idea. They didn't, that idea came from America. Mm-hmm. That idea came from Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood with William Gates Sr., Bill Gates' dad. Yeah. Like that was, they were, that's where they got that. They were saying like, we, there's just too many of these kind of people on the planet and we need to figure out a way to get rid of them. Margaret Sanger got that from Julian Huxley back to Thomas Huxley. Then you go back to Charles Darwin. That's where these ideas came from. I'm not trying to absolve anyone of guilt. I'm not saying to let like, Hitler off the hook. Oh, yeah, it wasn't his idea. I'm like, these are all maniacs. These are psychopaths. And you have to trace the lineage. Are you lineage. calling Darwin a psychopath? No, because we're going to get into that. Because Darwin was simply making observations in the wild, right? He didn't have these eugenicist ideas. And that's why he became so quiet. That's why I'm bringing this up. Mm-hmm. Is he goes like, oh, we're looking at um, the origins of natural selection mm-hmm. and why it works and why some th- what, what species have to do as, you know, within the context of adaptation to make the species thrive and survive. And then you had Thomas Huxley took his work and was up and running. Yeah, he goes. Ah, I, I interesting. Like, I like, and but I'm going to make a small tweak here. Yeah, so and that's what happened. So I don't, I haven't studied Darwin a lot, but I feel like he often gets uh, misunderstood and used by people like Huxley. It sounds like, right? Or let's you know Hitler, yeah. maybe. Um, and even the way that you put it to say that like species have to do something in order to adapt and survive. It's not even that active. It's more passive than that. If a species happens to do something a little bit differently or, you know, have some mutation, then they end up surviving, and that's what 
goes on and on and on. It's possible that some other species could have evolved some other way and been more successful than that one. All Darwin really pointed out was that this shit just happens, mm-hmm. and the ones that happen to be better suited to their environment happen to survive. There's nothing active about it. But when the eugenicists get involved, it's like, no, we're, gonna, we're getting active. Man, you are cueing me up some softballs, and I appreciate <laughs> it, is thinking about it like this. So giving off what you just said is that Darwin lays out the, the basic equation for evolutionary biology biology, which w- that's what we were taught in school, mm-hmm. right? And, and you can choose to believe or not believe that, but that basic evolution, um, not talking about evolution as the origin of man, but evolution of a species is something that we have witnessed in our lifetime. Right? We, we witness it in the free market too. That's what makes free right. market so yeah. powerful is that if a company happens to come up with a better way of doing something, then they survive in the company that didn't adapt. Because right. They just happened, they just didn't happen to hit it at the right point in the right climate in the right, you know, country, then they die. Yep. It's completely passive. That's what's great about the free market. So I bring this up because people like Cecil Rhodes, the British Royals, Thomas Huxley, that's late 1800s, um, Julian uh, Huxley, the grandson of Thomas Huxley, Margaret Sanger, William Gates Sr. This would be early 1900s. And now we can make the jump to your Bill Gates, your Val Harari's, Klaus Schwab's. They take that model of evolutionary biology and they made a small tweak because <clears throat> that tweak is from Darwin's model, is like, which is the fundamental tenets of evolutionary biology, is natural selection plus time equals biological improvement. So you have the people that I just listed, right, your Huxleys, and they go, what if we took out the time variable and made our own tweaks on the species? Did you come up with that improvement part, or was that... Did you pull that's 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 from that's like what's understood as like okay because I don't think improvement is the right word but I don't need to nitpick but okay go ahead success would probably be sorry okay. I success didn't, I didn't mean to nitpick <laughs> I I tend to nitpick you're still doing I'm it. a nitpicker <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> so then when you take the time because hold on sorry and the only reason that it, it does matter because okay. those people would see it as improvement and that's the only reason it kind of raised a flag in my mind is that. If you see it as improvement, then yes, you're going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the spirit of it is about improvement. It's just about success. Okay. You know, but if you're eugenicists, what, what, what you're thinking is how do we improve the human race? How do we improve or how do we improve the tomato plant? Right. Right. So. And so as a eugenicist, as these people were outspoken eugenicists, is the first variable they take out of the equation. Like, why don't we take out the time like, instead of waiting the millions of years, and w- if we know that this group and this group and this group, basically everyone that's not us is inferior, and we figure out a way to cull that population, like, we are taking the time element out of that of a, uh, equation, and we are thus improving humanity, at least the way that we perceive it through your demented psychopathic eyes. And which, I would argue, no longer makes it natural selection. Right, obviously, nah. it's yeah. unnatural selection. It's someone playing God yeah. at this point. This is what we were kind of talking about last night. Is that when I go back and look at this stuff, you know, 
when these people say like, well, we're going to speed up the time part of the equation, we'll do the selecting, and then we'll have what we perceive as biological success, right? The world as seen in our eyes. We're going to tweak the entire equation. So this is why when I hear Yuval Harari in the World Economic Forum, and they talk about the fourth industrial Re revolution, which is transhumanism, transhumanism is essentially eugenics when you think about it. I mean, this is off their website. I'm just making things up. Again, I think that the biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades, will be what to do with all these useless people. I don't think we have an economic model to, for that. My best guess, which is just a guess, is that uh, food will not be a problem. Uh, with that kind of technology, you will be able to produce food for, to feed everybody. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. If, yeah, if it's not and so, now, that's obviously where it's going. Yeah, and so I'm glad you said that because when they, you know, when you watch those promo videos that they make, you know, this is why I'm not celebrating going like, they're going to put a computer in my brain? This sounds great. Like, this sounds awesome, because Yuval Harari is also the same guy, you know, giving a speech, you know, and probably at Davos the next day saying, the planet's only meant to sustain 500 million people. Like, okay, do I want that guy putting a chip in my brain? You know what I mean? When I hear Bill Gates all of a sudden wants to be a farmer, and, <laughs> and you know... What if he just showed up to every event from now on in overalls, like overalls and a straw hat, <laughs> like hayseed sticking out of his... <laughs> Takes on like a Midwest accent. So when I hear that, you know, someone like Bill Gates all of a sudden wants to be a farmer and finances a company called Appeal that is making a coating that's going to cover all of our fruits and vegetables for public consumption and also wants to replace all meat with lab-grown meat that ostensibly he's going to make is, you know... People go like, well, what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, this is the same Bill Gates that said, like, you know, if we knew a good job with our vaccines, we can get the, vac the population down by 10 to 15%. Like, he's a depopulationist, right? He's a, I would argue he's eugenic. His dad certainly was a eugenicist, like a public, yeah. you know, wrote papers and helped found, found Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, who wanted to, quote, unquote, do something about the Negro problem. This is, this is my concern with these things. This is what I think about when everyone's, like, can't you just get on board with this stuff? Like, what's, what's the problem here? I'm just looking at the track history of some of these people and then going through the lineage of where their ideas came from. I'm a little concerned. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about transhumanism, which I see to be deeply rooted in eugenics, is this is what I think about when I see stuff like the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Um, someone like Bill Gates going like, why don't we just add this RNA technology into our food and our drinking water, put it in mosquitoes, whatever we got to do. And you brought up the notion of CRISPR. I was just like, it's, I'm a little concerned. It's also, it's kind of the same notion as the 15-minute city. I'm like, it sounds great. We're also just laid out this, the, the, the framework, the infrastructure for a complete totalitarian, like authoritarian society. It's like, I'm, I don't think I'm willing to throw those keys over just yet. Yeah. Well, uh, so at the risk of, you know, the last episode that we did was uh, called the more, no, uh, don't tell me, 
uh, I always want to say mandatory. Compulsory. Obligatory? Compulsory. Compulsory, Compulsory moral, bio-enhancement. Bio bio-enhancement. Compulsory, moral, bio-enhancement. Oh, I have it written down right here. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> At the risk of beating a dead horse, um, which we are prone to do. <laughs> well, there's, there's, a, there's an improvement. I do want to go bad. back. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I do want to go back to the uh, what we were talking about with the compulsory moral bio enhancement, and I was looking at this phrase and thinking, what's the scariest word in that four word phrase, or you know, three and a half word phrase? Right. What do you think it is? Compulsory. That was my first impulse, but I actually think it's the moral part mm -hmm. because. Why moral? Why do they say moral? Uh, I would say, I'm going to lay my bias on the table, is you use, you use vernacular similar to something like moral because it's, it's, it's easy to be fast and loose with a word like that. It's subjective. Moral, moral is a subjective thing. Yeah. It's like you can't define. Like, right. He's a moral person, like, according to who? Exactly. According to me. I mean, we, we could all agree that, that that's good and that you would, right. you would want to be moral, but there is no, like, real definition of right. moral. It's right. not a legal definition. Right. Hence the notion of moral relativism. And so if right. the phrase was moral bioenhancement, mm -hmm. like, let's say the phrase was just bioenhancement, and then someone said, come along and said, bioenhancement. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but let's make it moral bioenhancement. You'd almost be like, well... Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, if it, we we don't need that, that's kind of uh, redundant. Right. Everything we do should be moral. <clears throat> but because they have compulsory in there, yeah, it has. They have to put moral in there. Com compulsory and moral in the same term. Yeah, <laughs> is frightening. Yeah, what an uh, oxymoron that is. Right. Right. So the moral is in there to make the compulsory okay. Yeah. So it's going to be compulsory, but don't worry, it's going to be moral. To which our according, question is, according to according who? According to who? Yeah. Right? So I was uh, just thinking a lot about CRISPR and how, and if you don't know, CRISPR is a technology that can do gene editing. I think they discovered it from some, there's a bacteria or something that mm -hmm. was able to go into DNA and actually like latch on to one particular gene. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that they can actually program the 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 technology such that it goes and it gets the gene that you want mm -hmm. or the section of genes and of the DNA and it cuts it out and replaces it with something else right and so effectively you can pick any section in the in the gene sequence and replace it with something else you can right. edit the genes right you know it's amazing now um the argument for this, you think about what that means. Like you could, you could basically customize human beings, yeah, or tomato plants. Um, and obviously, they're using it. They're already using it in, in plants and things. Yeah, they're experimenting. Um, and the next logical step is to use it for human beings. And the argument that you always hear is that if if we don't do it, then they will. Right. So I believe, and I think I'm Which not that, off that, base here. That, that boogeyman is China right now. Correct. Right. Right. So the state, capital S, is obviously going to do this. Yeah. 
because they just are. I mean, let's all be honest. And the excuse they're going to use is, well, if we don't do it, China will, and they will, and then they'll have seven foot, you know, super beings, and we have to, we can't outcompete them, so we have to have our own seven foot right. super beings, right? Which, if you think about it, like that's the end of your genes. That's the <laughs> yes. end of your lineage. Like we're all, there's no more of that. We're just going to be seven foot super beings, right? And so, um, it's scary to think about the state having control of this power because it's not ever going to be used for good. Yeah. And what do we always say about, or it's not even us that says it, I guess we didn't come up with this, but there's that phrase about organizations there. Every organization is going to, you know, slowly move to the left mm-hmm. and eventually be a totally left leaning Right, Marxist organization, <clears throat> unless that organization is explicitly it's the nature anti-left. Of, it's the nature of collectivism. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that makes sense. Yeah. So, unless your organization is designed to be anti-left, right, then it's eventually going to be taken over by lefties, and it's going to. I mean, just that's why government grows, and that's why it becomes this uh, beast that you can't control right. because it it has to feed off itself. It, government gets all of its resources from the people and then to sustain itself it has to keep like building and growing it's like a cancer right bureaucracy does one thing really well two things takes your money and grows right that's the two things they can do efficiently everything else it fucking sucks at and so we all know what you know if your organization is Mm anti-left we know what that is right right it's white supremacists yes (laughs) okay so proud boys yeah good luck (laughs) right and so here's this state that's going to have access to this incredible technology. And this state is going to be a lefty-oriented state full of progressives, which, as we talked about before, who are progressives? Mm-hmm. They're the, the, the people in the past, like eugenicists, all the, yeah. the Margaret Sanger, all them, all these people that wanted to improve society through eugenics eugenics yeah they were progressives yeah make no mistake about it that's how they saw themselves yeah yes so um what progressives are basically and i think this last three years has proved this crackheads for scientific advancements yes Right, I mean, which is mRNA, which is interesting as a concept to bring up because when Thomas Huxley was doing these writings, and when Julian Huxley like really ran with him as grandson, and but Thomas Huxley, when you look at him and Cecil B. Rhodes and the people connected to the British royal family, they, this was the origins of eugenics, depopulation, sterilization campaigns, and what it was done is they were doing it as using it as the guys because Cecil B. Rhodes, who's actually founded De Beers Diamond Company and became wildly profitable because he went into Africa, enslaved the country, took all the diamonds, and just, like, they saw that their, their focus was on Africa. Like, this is, this is the lesser continent. Like, it needs to be enslaved and subjugated. Is they did that, you bring up the notion of science. The reason why they did that mm-hmm. is they used Darwin's writings and created the racial hierarchy. Uh-huh justifying it with Darwin's writings and said to everyone, like, look, we're not evil. This is the science. We're following we're the following science. following the science. Yep. Does that make sense? Why does that sound so familiar? <laughs> I feel like I've heard that term. <laughs> right. So, I mean, look at what they did with when they got a hold of mRNA technology. Right. 
you know, and when I say they got a hold of, I mean that. The progressive governments around the world got a hold of this technology and fucking forced it on the world. Yeah. And it was only the, if, the few of us that escaped that. Yeah. For now. Until it ends up in our food or in the fucking mosquitoes or right. whatever. They're airborne. Yeah. All right. They are crackheads when it comes to scientific advancements. Yeah. Um, so I'm what I'm what I keep thinking about with this CRISPR thing is that it it's only going one direction, right? Yes. And it's it's scary where this is going. And I don't see it ever deviating from this path. Although I'll talk in a second about the optimism that I see in the world today. Um, <laughs> so in order <laughs> in order for <laughs> don't spoil it. <laughs> I just I was laughing that uh so, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend. They're saying, like, how are you and Kelly different? I was like, I'm just straight up, like, nihilist. Like, we're so fucked. And Kelly's an optimist. And, you know, it's kind of a yin and a yang that we have here. Mm-hmm. But the last episode I did, he's like, yeah, and just uh, in- uh, I got nothing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good balance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, so... In order for CRISPR to work, you have to have a supercomputer, like an AI kind of intelligence mm-hmm. to operate it. Because the human genome, uh, frankly, every genome, I think, is so complex that scientists don't know what one gene does or another. Right. I mean, they might have something like isolated down to where this, this one gene likely responsible for causing cancer, but it's usually not just one gene. It's a combination of genes. And if it's just one genetic defect, that's kind of an easy thing to see. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about what makes someone tall, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than there's not just one tall gene. Right. Right. And so to figure out and and likewise if you if you change that one tall gene, if there was if you think you found it, the effects that that has throughout the rest of the genome is hard to Right. Anticipate, right? So you need a supercomputer, AI, just crazy intelligence that can, you know, AZ test the whole thing over and over again until they, they figure this stuff yeah. out. Yeah, gotcha. So this artificial intelligence is likely going to come up with, they're going to say to the artificial intelligence, because they're not going to say, uh, take out this gene, replace it with that one, and blah, 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 like the, the actual instructions on how to edit the genome. They're going to say... Make the person taller. Yeah. Or make the person better, right. let's say. And the AI is going to say, well, all right, here's a way to make your um, person into a, a better person based on what the AI thinks, right? right. So obviously um, what's going to come out of that is a like free market meritocracy, f- free-thinking super genius, Right. But I don't think that uh, the progressives are going to stand for that. Okay. And if you don't believe me, just look at the way that they've run our schools. All right. All right. They don't go into the schools to try to make kids into geniuses. They don't go into poor communities and try to make everyone rich. Right. What they try to do is make everyone dependent on them. Yes. All right. So imagine that these are the people telling the AI how to edit the genome. Okay. Right? Yeah. 
They're not going to say, give us great free thinking geniuses. Yeah. They're going to say, no, we need everything to be equitable. Right. So just which which goes back to the article. Uh, was that Parker Parker Watchfield from PubMed? I think that article was published in twenty nineteen about making uh, compulsory moral bioenhancement covert. And he's like, it needs to be done in the name of equity. Good God! Yes. Yeah, and so who's in charge That's of that? Terrifying, right? Because I mean, honestly, look at the stuff that comes that has come out with chat. <laughs> Uh, what's it called? Chat GPT. GPT. Yeah. Right. When the outcomes are not desirable, they go, "Oh, wait a second. You know, they have to, you know, yeah. re recalibrate the the yeah. AI." Right. Yeah, it's very. I I've seen. I mean, it's almost getting tiresome to look at. But would you say chat, you're beating chat. a dead horse? <laughs> I would say that. Yes. Chat uh, GPT was very obviously programmed to be very woke, progressive, far left. Yeah. You can do comparison studies of. I, I just. I'm. Yeah. I've. I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there like I don't believe that, and like I've, I've seen so many examples of that. Like it's kind of I'm getting sick of seeing it. Well, it's I get the only it. I get interesting. It. I get it. It's woke. Like can we stop doing this now? It's the only interesting examples of that of Chat GPT that are out there yeah. that are worth li- right. looking at. Yeah, is how it's actually been. It's super biased. Yeah, right. That's very interesting. Yes. And I'm okay. sure not a coincidence relative to everything that we are talking about here today. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about these progressive-minded, lefty, statist psychopaths who would rather the world be poor and hungry than use fossil fuels, for yes. example. Right? They'd rather have high school students graduate to, to make it look like the school's not racist than to actually have those kids learn something right. in the school. They don't do the work in the school to make the kids smarter. They do the work to make sure the kids graduate. I think the vast majority of our current high school graduates read at a sixth grade level right now in America. When we went through COVID, the, the, all the focus was on getting people stuck with this mRNA vaccine, right. air quotes, rather C- than... Certainly was being educated. Well, and, and, or being healthy. Like it wasn't about getting people healthy. In fact, you were demonized for trying to make people healthy. So, anyways, I I, I made my point that um, these are the people that are going to be programming the AI. And I think what we're very likely to end up with once CRISPR and AI gets started is and nobody is going to want to be left behind, right? They once they start doing this, everyone's going to want their neck, their genes mm-hmm. to be enhanced and have the. You'll start with something benign like we'll take out the risk of cancer and mm-hmm. and then once we start you know take out the risk of any sort of genetic <clears throat> disorder and we're just gonna start going down this road it's gonna become commonplace to use crispr on your body and then next thing you know it's gonna be like well we can't be we can't have too many tall people out there and you can't be too good looking and i think that the end of the road for this is going to be a human photo uh, phenotype that looks more like an ant colony or a bee colony than it does human beings, where we're not going to let people... It's going to come down where they're not going to let people procreate. Any kind of distinguishing characteristics. Nope, just drones. This is very interesting because we talked about the... made a joke about Brave New World, which we have been kind of banding about for a couple of episodes now. And... They talked about their, you know, their offspring come from a state farm or like some kind of a state 
hatching facility or whatever. It's like the kids. Right. I mean, this is a wild concept. The kids don't belong to the parents. They become part of the state. That's part a of, little bit out there. Yeah, part of the collective. I mean, I mean who uh, would think that? I mean, besides Melissa Harris, Perry, and MSNBC, you know, and Joe the, Biden, the lean forward campaign and Joe Biden. But yeah, I think that's what we are seeing now, as we talk about within the context of predictive programming. It's like Aldous Huxley wrote about that in Brave New World. I'm like, is, was he that far off at this point? And if you're one of those people in Brave New World who is just a drone, an automaton, yeah. made that way genetically, just like in an ant colony where they, they reproduce, but it's only one, the queen reproduces, yeah. and that's it. And all of her offspring are just these workers, right? And you won't care if you're one of those workers because you'll just be programmed right. not to. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're happy. You're just a mindless drone. So... That's uh, the dark future that we can look <laughs> forward to. A lighter note? <laughs> no, I'm not going to end it on that. Okay. I can't. <laughs> so here's the optimistic note that... Uh, Warriors made it to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the grocery store the other day, uh, and the there was a dude there with a, a RC Electric shirt on, mm-hmm. and he had an 18-pack of Bud Light. I was like, okay, here's a guy, blue-collar dude in the trades, mm-hmm. and he's drinking Bud Light. And I'm not a grocery store line talker. Mm-hmm. I'd really rather just, you know, I'll talk to the uh, the checker, because right. I feel like she and I have kind of a, a bond, you know? Yeah. The rest of these idiots. Like, can you believe these people? <laughs> Oh my god, dude! I have to. I just remembered the funniest fucking thing happened the other day. The Safeway. <laughs> I went in there to buy. We had just finished eating at Los Tres Chiles. Yeah. And Melissa wanted lime, so I went in there just to grab the limes. I was by right. myself. I grab a five limes, and I uh, put them down. And the uh, the guy rings them up. It's four dollars ninety five cents. So do you want a bag? No, I'll just carry it in my pocket. Okay, and so the the bagger guy was standing there, and he just he had nothing to do because right. he didn't have to bag my limes. Yeah, and I uh, I give the guy five dollar five dollars and the uh, you know they had the change dispenser. Right, and so like with this one like lame ass nickel just kind of like rolls out of the thing like bling, it makes it a little sound and they're like, and he's like, do you want to? So it's four ninety five yeah. for the limes. He's like, do you want to um, enter a phone number or something? I was like, all right. So I, like my old phone number from Ferndale. Yeah. I entered in. He's like, okay, do you want to donate something? I'm like, no. Look at it. He's like, okay, it's four ninety five. I'm just like, Ugh. and then the little nickel comes out, and the guy, the the bagger guy, is just like, just the perfect moment. Like, like he was just telling me, he's like. What a bunch of bullshit, huh? I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> Grab my nickel and just fucking left. <laughs> Anyways. So this guy has this 18-pack of Bud Light, and I just, for whatever reason, I was like, so uh, you're not worried about the guys on the job site making fun of you with the Bud Light, huh? He's like, nah, man, I don't care. He's like, I, I really don't care. I love this beer, and I'm going to drink it. I don't care about that faggot or whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> He was, he was kind of pissed about it, too, but he wasn't, like, not 
buying the beer. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that it was, it was such a, and I didn't think I cared about the whole Bud Light issue. When that thing first came out, when the whole, that ad appeared, my first reaction was like, ugh, like, it's a stupid, but, you know, I don't really care. It seems like right. one of those bread and circus things, yeah. and who really gives a shit? Um, because nothing's, I do give a shit, but nothing's going to happen. No one's actually going to protest. And, yeah. But it was important enough to me subconsciously, and I didn't realize it, that I would actually bring it up in conversation at the grocery store, mm-hmm. which says something. Like, it was right. a powerful kind of moment. And that dude felt like defending himself over it. Uh-huh. And I would not be surprised if he stopped buying Bud Light because he probably didn't want to have to have another one of those conversations in the grocery store. And it seems like a lot of people are not buying Bud Light or other Anheuser-Busch products. Like, this thing is actually making some traction in the world, which is extremely optimistic. And what it says to me is that if you fuck with people in the right way, they won't stand for it. And maybe it's stupid that it took beer, like a Bud Light, a beer that sucks anyways, but but the most popular beer, I shouldn't say that, it's the most popular beer in America. It is? Yeah. Oh, wow. Bud Light is the most popular beer. Most uh, purchased beer in America. Um, and it took, like, it took that to, to make people give a shit, but they really did give a shit, and they're suffering for it. And I think other companies are going to take note, and it's it's inspiring to me that people actually, as dumb as the, the reason is, are standing up and not taking this ESG woke bullshit being shoved down their throat. I mean, if you hit them in the right spot, then they... Uh, they won't stand up for it. They won't stand up for it.